From Relay FM, this is The Pen Addict, episode 450. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Pen Chalet. My name is Mike Hurley, and I have the pleasure, as always, of being joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad. Hey, Mike. I got a huge smile when you said episode 450. Even Big though like, we've, no- we've known this has been coming for like at least 449 episodes that we would get here. But wow. yeah, huge smile. I'm very happy about that. And I did just note before we started today um, that we have passed our nine-year anniversary of the show. So February 9th of 2012 was when we Mm -hmm. did our first episode. Uh, So we are terrible again and and missed it. (laughs) Two weeks ago. (laughs) Two weeks ago. I hope that we don't miss our 10th. No, we're not going to miss our 10th. We've got a a lot of exciting stuff planned for next year. Yeah, I think that's what happens when you get older. Like you start forgetting things, especially yep. dates, like your birthday. What's that? But yeah, nine years of podcasting, episode four hundred and fifty today. Um, it just makes me happy. That's it. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I'm very, time. very, 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 very happy to be doing this, be doing this with you, and to continue Always. doing this. Today we have a very special episode. So Brad set this challenge for us a few weeks ago. Basically a special episode where we take a look at Kickstarter and its effect on our community by analyzing the projects that we have... Uh, what, we, what we have done is analyzed a selection of projects that the mm-hmm. two of us have backed over the last 10 years or so. Uh, I wanted to bring those to the show today to, to talk about them and to, over the course of the episode, take a look at how Kickstarter has changed the hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's definitely a mix of the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Like it's oh, really yes, that is played out that way. Perfect way of putting it. This really is the good, bad, and ugly of Kickstarter. That because there has been a lot of that just in the stationary <laughs> community. Um, mm-hmm. I'm on some Kickstarters right now in the stationary <laughs> community that get a bit ugly, Brad. But we're not going to talk about those today. Oh, uh, you have to tell me offline because yeah. I don't think I'm any. I don't think I'm any in any active dumpster fires right oh, now. I but. Am, man, I'm in, a, I'm in a real bad one. It's, it's bad. <laughs> we'll take we'll take that to the B side. So. <laughs> but to to get things kicked off, Mike, as you might say. Um, I looked at the numbers of my own backer, um, my backing of projects on Kickstarter. 120 projects I've backed. Wow. Um, most of them funded successfully. These are all backed at like the reward level. I know people like run up the Kickstarter numbers. They'll just put a dollar on every every um, campaign and run up these numbers. These are all to like get something from the project. Six of those unsuccessfully funded. Two were canceled for various reasons. Mm-hmm. 95 of the 120, Mike, were stationary related or adjacent. Wow. That's crazy. That's so, um, yeah, like then the other stuff is like a lot of other Kickstarter creative stuff, books, music, games, whatever products, things like that, bags, all that stuff. But yeah, like a full, like practically 80% of my 120 projects that I backed were stationary related and boy are we going to talk about them how about you what did your numbers look like i was uh i was uh, i was uh, a little bit a little bit shocked 74 bank yeah. projects that's a ton like that's a ton like yeah. i know i had a bunch but that's a lot i uh, i have been and continue to be a big kickstarter backer uh three yeah. were unsuccessful for me and one canceled mm-hmm. 
uh, 28 of my 74 were stationary uh, related or adjacent, which is obviously a huge difference in our makeup there because yours is like three quarters and mine is less than a half. Uh, the rest of my projects are a mixture of games, a backed couple of events, uh, movies, uh, apps, and just general tech hardware stuff, uh, which tends to be... And really, like I think it's kind of funny when you look at it, those are kind of th- those uh, statistics and their makeup is actually a makeup of us as people, really. <laughs> Where like you yeah. are primarily stationary <laughs> and I am a mixture of different things. Yeah, I go to Kickstarter for the pens and then I might find something else, mm-hmm. right? And then you're tended to be drawn there. It's probably generated mostly from tech and, yeah. you know, related to that. And then you know, you'll pick up some stationary stuff. Like if we talk about it or if we cover it and it seems interesting, things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is very telling the, the percentages of the, the categories that we're involved in, but it, it makes complete and total sense. I couldn't believe that it's been since 20, 2011, June 2011 was my first project I backed. Mm. It was It was not a stationary project, one of the few. Um, it was for Molly Crabapple's Week in Hell, which she's an artist I follow. Now she's an artist, activist, uh, popular figure. But she basically, it, it's ki- it was kind of stationary related in that she locked herself in a hotel room for a week, covered the, pe- covered the walls in white paper, and drew the entire room. And then she would cut up different sizes based on your backer level <laughs> of the That's drawings. Nice. Huh. So you would back whatever, like your like my backing was for like a six by six, you know, cut out of the wall. And like I still have that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sitting in my closet. So it's just kind of funny that the, it it wasn't necessarily stationary related, but I found her because um, at the time, like we had talked about stationary. That was when I was working with jet pens, and I had contact with her. And we were talking about like Sharpies and how they worked with this paper and for this project and things like that. I remember doing all that stuff back at the time. So I guess it was kind of stationary related. But yeah, 2011, when was yours? 2012, July of 2012. And it was a, a book, like an ebook called The Professional's Guide to Podcast Production. Mm-hmm. And it's made by uh, a guy by the name of Jim Metzendorf, who... We now work with it, really. <laughs> I saw Jim, this. I was like, wait a minute. Jim is an editor of a large selection of our shows, some of mine and some uh, some other shows as well. Um, Jim, I've known of Jim for a long time, and I was a, a fan of his work, if you would call it that, you know, like mm-hmm. in the sense of like I listened to and appreciated his editing on a bunch of shows I was listening to at the time. And obviously, back in July of 2012, I mean, I've been into podcasting for a couple of years, so I was still very new, and I, I actually still had a lot to learn of editing. And I backed um, Jim's project to get, uh, I think it was not just um, the book, but I think I also ended up getting some uh, EQs. So mm. he would, I would send him like my audio, and he created an EQ setting for me, mm-hmm. for, for my voice. So. This is funny because the friendships we made along the way are a very <laughs> consistent theme of this. Yeah. And it's funny to see that very first one 
And I laughed when I saw that link in there. It had yeah. Jim's name in it. And I was yeah. like, you got to be kidding me. Because a lot of this is, you know, a lot of friends that, you know, we've made through the, through the stationary world, through these through these projects. I haven't mentioned this to him. <laughs> uh, I kind of feel like it. I don't know. It's something like that. I want to embarrass him, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, so mm-hmm. I, I kind of just uh, put it out there in the world. <laughs> well, I'm not above embarrassing my friends. Um <laughs> And I'm going to do that right out the gate, Mike. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the second project, number two project, right after the Molly Crab, Crab Apple one that I backed was the CWNT Pen Type A, which turned out to be one of the most historic, historic, famous, infamous projects in Kickstarter history. Or even even just in the stationary world, but I think it crossed over some lines to where it it was making like articles on like tech sites and news sites and well, things like that. It was important to note. So I'm sorry if I'm spoiling a few here. So it raised two hundred eighty one thousand nine hundred eighty nine dollars on a two thousand five hundred dollar goal in August of twenty eleven. Now mm-hmm. this is particularly significant because of the date. Mm-hmm. So back in August of 2011, Kickstarter was very, very new. Mm-hmm. And the idea of a $2,500 goal makes a lot of sense, right? So like, mm-hmm. if you go back to your first one, uh, Molly Crabapple's campaign was like $4,500 goal. And she raised mm-hmm. $25,000, which was amazing then. Yeah. But Kickstarter at that point was much more a, hey, I'm an artist. Here's yeah. my music. And this is stuff. when the goals meant something, right? The goals have lost all meaning. Yes. Now. Yes. Back then, goals meant something. Molly took her, said, look, it's going to cost me this much in, you know, nights at a hotel, food, <laughs> and product to do this project. And CWT says, we, we've we made this pen. We think we can prototype it, and we think we can sell it. And this is how much it's going to cost us to get us going. It's not... Um, some made-up number so you can run a huge percentage over goal completion mm-hmm. number. So you can't have like a, you know, funded, you know, 15,000% funded, right? Which is what modern Kickstarter is. So yeah, it was important at the time that, to I guess to make the point that it kind of blew up and got away from them. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, it turned out to be rough for many reasons. There were articles you can find if you just search it up about the manufacturing processes that they went through, the failures of the manufacturing processes, the bringing it in-house, the intellectual property theft <laughs> that took place, and just on and on. like. Right out the gate, I can't think of any project that has superseded this as far as if it could go wrong, it did in this one. Like, we've had repeats of this, right? But I'm not sure, like, at least in the projects that I've backed, sure, there's been, like, million-dollar projects that have been, you know, that have gone sideways on a lot of people. But just from our perspective, it was crazy. And, you know, I am I was fortunate to get to talk to Sayway and Taylor, the the people behind CWNT early on had like an early prototype of the pen type A because I love the pilot high tech C, which is what it was made for. Yep. 
and I didn't think this pen would do that good, right? Because it, it wasn't a great design just for like day-to-day -day use of a pen. It's like a desk pen, the way it was built with this basically brick metal ruler, <laughs> which, which was the pen holder for people who aren't familiar with it. But it did, and it's telling, as we'll get to later in this episode, that they didn't let this destroy them because it not everyone i think would have handled this you know in the future as well as mm -hmm. they have yeah it got and mainstream that's also a theme. press as well but like it was one of those things where it got coverage and then it was getting coverage because it was doing so well which then ended up pushing it further you know like right. we're, we're going to talk about studio neat uh, in a little bit but the original glyph was like this too like the glyph was one of the biggest uh, early Kickstarter campaigns, and mm -hmm. it was like, oh, this is a cool product, so people will start buying it, uh, and then it gets coverage because it's cool. But then it starts getting coverage because it's such a success when that was right. new for Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Yep, and then unlike the glyph, this one ended up getting like soap opery. Yeah, um, before the end, which yeah. just you know exacerbated any news that had come out before it just kept going on and on like it was a couple it was i didn't look at the end date like the final like closeout date of hey we shipped the last pen had to be a year and a half um would be my guess like an 18 month if not longer time frame it was very very long so mm -hmm. but yeah like it this... was october of 2012 was the update where they'd posted all of them okay so that's not that bad it was you know what's that 14 months mm -hmm. so 14 months so i mean the, we, i've had projects run that long you know with delays but yeah it was crazy um and it dragged on for years afterwards the the but fallout again, from from that because it was new delays were new right right and uh people didn't know people was like well where's my pen <laughs> people were not used to this way of buying things either these like yeah undetermined long-term pre-orders if you ever get it mm -hmm. you know so it was all very very new so it stood out and and continues to be a standout and one last thing that that stood out was Sayway would write these novel length updates like they did not hold back right on the updates on the details good or bad they laid it all out every time and it was like reading these books every time he would um, publish uh, a blog update um it was it was incredible it was what an incredible project so again something uh, like that follow. with that that openness and updates probably set a trend yep. which continues to this day yep yep they really were so, innovators and for good and bad uh exactly in, in exactly what it, what it takes to make a kickstarter campaign yeah and how you handle that um you know helps uh kind of determine your future as as we work through this there's going to be a lot of recurring themes this way so my second project, which was my first kind of stationary-related project, was a campaign called I Draw Comics, Sketchbook, and Reference Guide. This is in August of 2012. Uh, you know, the gates are open now. It raised $245,000 on a $10,000 goal. Golly. Um, yeah, it was a book in kind of the Leuchtturm format, Moleskin format, you know, like mm -hmm. with the little elastic that goes around the front. And it was part uh, guide on how to draw comics and like comic art. And then the other half of the book was sketch paper for you to actually draw in. I have no idea why I backed this. <laughs> 
I don't uh, know before, why I backed this. Before I saw that in the show notes, I was going to ask. I was like, oh, how's your comic career going, I don't Michael? think I've ever... Well, I know I don't have the talent for this. Maybe that was why, you know. I will say back in August of 2012, I was still kind of in the world of... I feel like I'm a creative person and I haven't mm. found the thing that has made me truly successful. Like we were having some success then with the shows, like in the podcast were taking off, but I was like desperately looking for the thing to change my life. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was part of it, but I have no skill in this area. So <laughs> I don't know why I did it. I mean, I know I was into reading comics a lot more then than I am now. So maybe I had like an idea for a comic and thought, well, maybe if I could learn how to draw, I might be good at this. I do not know. But uh, that was why I backed I Draw Comics back in 2012. <laughs> you know what you did, Mike? You kickstarted. You yeah. Know, this is what happens. Like, you, like you've got things. I've backed so many projects that like, I don't know where these products are. Like out of those 95 stationary products, how many of those Kickstarter projects, which is kind of sad in retrospect, how many of those do you think I use on like on a... Yeah, that are at least in my world daily, it's probably like less than 10, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy if you, you really, really think about it. And But that's what Kickstarter was at the time, and that's what we do with Kickstarter. I do it a lot less now. Like My Kickstarter um, funding has gone way, way down compared to what it used to be. You know, It's changed over the years, which I'm sure we'll get to more. This second stationary set that I backed, which I guess was my third project I backed. We're not gonna we're not gonna count these down like this, but it just so happened like this was the beginning and this was kind of the heyday and all these new and interesting products come up and this one was called the PHX1 design tool set. The makers were then an unknown pair of gentlemen named Chadwick Parker and Joe Wang. And if those na- names sound familiar, they are now known as Big Eye Design, which is pretty funny when you look back at December 2011, this product that they made, they had made some other non-stationary products. I don't I can't remember if they were yeah. Kickstarters or not, but like furniture and like things like that. It's interesting to see someone kind of feeling things out, finding their way you know, honing their design chops and making a product. At the time, it was very, very cool. You know, looking back, it's super basic now. But it's, I wanted to focus on this project because it kind of laid the groundwork for what eventually became Big Eye Design. So this was a singular, just tube, like a metal tube. I think it was stainless. I can't remember if it was titanium or stainless. And it was designed so the front end had um, threading where you could remove, say, a Uniball Signo DX pin front end, the whole nose cone and everything, and put that into this tube and screw that front end section into the tube. And then there you had a different barrel for your DX. And you could also do this with the high-tech C. It was important at the time because this was the, this was like the ramp up of the high-tech C, but the DX didn't have anything. But really until what Spoke did with the DX because I wanted it so bad because this was the answer I gave people for years. It's like, I want something nicer for my DX. And I was like, there isn't one, you know, I backed this one called PHX one is like, Oh, will you send it to me? (laughs) People would ask me for it. And I was like, no, no, but, um, it just didn't have that compatibility. 
But the way they did it with a threading, they did it from a threading perspective where you would re remove part of an existing pin and put it into this one. Also, this pin on the back of it, Mike, you could put an X-Acto knife. It's like and a tool it's pen. a little dangerous. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, but you see it now and you go, well, yeah, of course they became Big Eye Design and made all these things because this is what they were thinking about back in 2011, right? How can yeah. we mix and match a few different things into this pen. Was it great at the time? No. No, because like it it's fine. also funny. You can look at it and be like, this is janky. Like, you yeah. can look at it, it's like, this is a little janky. <laughs> you know? But you get the, you see the groundwork, right? Yeah. Of what, look at Big Eye Design now. Like, they make some great stuff. Yep. It's very cool. Very cool to see this kind of stuff. And it's really cool to see this next one you put in there because I was not an original backer and they are now one of my personal favorite stationary brands yeah my second stationary project was uh the pen by ajoto so the ajoto pen uh they had a fifteen thousand pounds goal this is in november of 2012 and they raised forty six thousand pounds so they weren't a massive blow away success i think part of it was it was uk based um so obviously shipping would be tricky maybe for some places and it wasn't cheap either like it, to, to my memory yeah i paid 60 pounds for for my version so it definitely wasn't a cheap uh pen at the time it was their first and i was surprised a johto's only kickstarter campaign which yeah i was very surprised about like not that i thought i remembered something just that i'm surprised that they never did another one um and what i love about that is a johto is the exact thing that kickstarter was supposed to do Be mm -hmm. like unlike pretty much every other company we'll talk about today especially in the stationary world they did one kickstarter campaign now they have a successful business the kickstarter mm -hmm. got them going and now they just carry on and the pen's done very well and it continues to do very well almost at this point i consider them one of the only luxury brands in our space like that isn't a huge company Right, but mm -hmm. I've, I kind of look at the Ajoto pens as quite luxury. What you would consider more of a maker, yeah, as opposed to a company like yeah. Leonardo is small, and they manufacture their own pens. But I don't; it feels like a different classification than someone like Ajoto. If yeah. if I'm just kind of comparing that correctly, yeah, that, that's kind of the way that I look at it. Um, and I I remember at the time, like I was really blown away by the precision of the design and how beautiful mm. it was and they were also uk based and it was mm. the first luxury pen of any kind that used the schmidt refill yep these were the first right it was before the mark one before the squire before anything they were using the schmidt refill mm -hmm. uh and yeah it's just fantastic great campaign they're great options uh and my my ajoto is still in use i love it it's a fantastic pen and they continue to do great things. Super cool. Yeah, I, I love I love seeing that. Um, I was I went through my whole list. So I wrote, I hand wrote my notes right to to prepare for this podcast. I wrote three and a half A five pages like in my tiny handwriting. Mm. And I got to the end and I was typing it up in the dock. And I was like, wait a minute, where's a Jodo? Because I had one of the earlier Jodo pens, but I must have just gotten it from them. I was never a backer. Um, Anything like that. I was like, I mm -hmm. couldn't believe it. Like, it was not in my backer list at all. So I was glad that you were a backer and put it in the, in the list. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. 
Next one, Mike, mm-hmm. is where, let's say, the, uh, the, the bad things hit the fan. And I call this one the first successful failure project that I was a part of. It's a project that backed, right? It funded. So this is the Apollo technical pin and drafting scale. This probably puts gives some people the heebie-jeebies. They raised $141,832 in December of 2013. This was peak high-tech C time, right? Everyone's making pin barrels for the Pilot high-tech C. And this was a very pretty, think of it as uh, Rotring 600 for the Pilot high-tech C. I think that's fair to you know, to say this design of this pen was was trying to be. It was a capped metal faceted barrel. Really nice, really, you know, complex campaign. Um and they raised a lot of money. And they hit, you know, the manufacturing issues. Like we used to talk about when we you and I were backing a lot of Kickstarters, just we would like double the the dates, you know, just because there's mm. always it's a given you're gonna hit a manufacturing issue and not make whatever date you were planning on and they they hit they hit all of them like whatever failure you could have along the way they did and then they started shipping pins and some people got their pins including myself it looks like about they shipped but they said 75% um it looks more to me like about 2 thirds of what they said they were going to ship had shipped um i got one and it didn't write like not from a refill perspective, but from an engineering perspective, there was a technical flaw in the design. So like after all the drama, after all the money, after all the delays, they ship it, not to everybody, mind you, yet. And it mostly doesn't work, like a few people's works. And you'll have to go back through the, if you're that interested in it, you can go back through. There's some diagrams and things in the updates where... They didn't depressurize the barrel and they made the fit so tight that there was no airflow. So the ink could not flow out the refill because there was it was airtight. Um and that's when it really like got loose. And <laughs> got, got loose is just yeah. a beautiful way of putting it. That's when things so that's got when, a little silly. What you say? Not where, not where people weren't just mad that they didn't get their pen. The people who had got the pen had a, now have a pen that doesn't write. Yeah, and so they were like over, and it's it was like so that was it funded in December 2013, and Pranay and Paul vanished. <laughs> <laughs> on yeah. everyone at February 2016. That was their last message. Um, no follow-up on the orders not filled and then no replacement follow-up for the people who had bad pens. They were essentially like zeroed out. Like they may, I'm sure they spent all the money they raised. Like what they didn't vanish with the do, money. Right? Now I'm not advocating yeah. for uh you, people's money being stolen, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we've all had it happen to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will talk about some one of my instances in a minute, but like mm-hmm. in this scenario, unless well, it was clearly their issue, their mistake, I think, right here, it was in yeah. the design. So the manufacturer is not going to give them their money back. 
right? No, for what has been made. So the only way to fix this is to spend more money, which they probably didn't have. Like, right? that's fine. You can only make people so mad. So yeah. your last message says, we're broke. We can no longer make a single pen. I'm sorry to everyone that right, we let which down. which they didn't that's do. That's your last right? message. Yeah. The last message is, point. here's how we're going to fulfill everything. That's a very good point. I didn't. I can't see the last message that they left. Mm-hmm. It's a backer only thing. I was just going right. around in it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that that's a good point. That you you know what you should do is say, "I'm sorry, I don't have the money." You're not going to make people feel better that way, but at least you're being upfront with it. Yeah, yeah. But most so, failed kickstarters do not end that way. Most no. failed kickstarters end with, "Hello, <laughs> is anybody there?" <laughs> Well, that's funny you say that because this project that funded in December 2013 still has an active comment section as of October 2020. 2,688 comments (laughs) in this comment section of people commiserating about how terrible this project was. I want to share a guilty pleasure of mine. Mm -hmm. Now, again... I'm not taking any pleasure in people losing their money, right? Mm-hmm. It's really frustrating and it's upsetting and it's your money, you deserve it. But going through the comment section of failed Kickstarters is it's like stepping into another dimension sometimes. <laughs> like you see all these people super mad, and then you get to this point where people start copying and pasting. I hereby invoke my rights under Kickstarter's <laughs> terms of use. And they link yeah. the terms of use. Project creators are required to fill all rewards of their successful fundraising campaigns or refund any backer. I demand a full refund. And you just see this over and over and over and over yeah. again, people copying and pasting. Like it's going to do something, you know? Right. And it's these things just get, they get, as I'll say it again, they get real silly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's one message from October 2020. Uh, just checking in for 2020. Happy New Year, everybody, except Paul and Prene. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they get silly at this point. Um, but like, yeah, people are people are burned, and and they have an mm-hmm. outlet in these comment sections to just go and just lay into them. <laughs> yeah, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday about these kinds of things, and we mm-hmm. were talking about like uh, investing, and and they were referencing cryptocurrency and stuff. And they said to be something which is so smart. It's like, I treat these kinds of things like I do a Kickstarter campaign. I give them my, my money and expect I'll never see it again. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, what you got next? So my uh, my first failed, um, first successful failure, so it funded but didn't mm-hmm. work, was a game, it's a video game called Last Life. Uh, Last Life was a campaign in May of 2014. It raised $103,000 against a $75,000 goal with uh, nearly 5,000 backers. Basically, like many video game projects, especially around this time, uh, there was a really great trailer, and it was somebody who had a great history. They've been working on games for a while. People were vouching for it. People were played early access versions of it, and it was great the developers came to realize it costs a lot of money to make a truly great video game, especially when you've had a successful Kickstarter campaign, and they ran out of money. So in 2018, they spoke about trying to get extra funding for the game. Like they were saying, like, we've run out, but we're working on extra funding, and then they just disappeared. They they went away. 
Yeah, that uh, seems like not nearly enough money. Like right from the jump, I'm like people mm. didn't know then though, Brad. Like yeah. this was I remember this happened a lot with video games around this time. People would just they would be indie developers, right? And yeah. they think you know they do this thing, and it's like six figures. I can make my game for six figures, right? But it tends not to work that way uh, if you're doing it with without having a job right like i think a lot yeah. of indie game developers they make their game on the side but now what's replaced kickstarter really for this type of stuff is early access games so mm-hmm. people will pay you while you're making it and you mm-hmm. kind of make money along the way i think Play that's, along with it yeah that's become the model now i don't really feel like i see a lot of uh, kickstarter campaigns for games and when i do these days i've seen some where it's like okay here's the kickstarter campaign we will then use this as a way to help us raise money mm-hmm. right like because the, if you have a successful kickstarter you might be able to get some additional financing um yeah this was a really beautiful looking game um and it just never came to be hmm that's wild. I, I just remember that I don't remember the name of that one giant studio that blew it out where it was several million dollars worth. Um, like, and they made a studio and made it like a real run at, at making games and things like that. And that seems successful, but like these, the small dollar stuff for um, video game creation, even if it's a singular person, like that churn rate on that, you're just, you just light money on fire mm-hmm. until you can actually deliver something. So maybe this, that type of early access uh, helps solve some of that problem. Yeah. There's one problem we cannot solve, Mike. Nobody can solve. Nobody can solve. And that is, what pen do you use to sign your child's birth certificate, Mike? The Vision Air. <laughs> now, we wanted to include it at this point because it was very successful. Didn't fail as such, but didn't go very well so three hundred and twenty four thousand three hundred and ninety three dollars raised against a fifteen thousand dollar goal five thousand eight hundred and three backers back in june of 2013 i was thinking back on this brad and i don't know if i've forgotten or if it was just weird at the time I do not understand why so many people backed this project. Like, the marketing of the campaign itself was very good, right? Mm -hmm. That was the whole thing. Like, the way it was written, the way the video was made, it was good marketing. And, like, the way stuff was written, we make these jokes, the only pen you'll ever need, the (laughs) the one for your son to sign the birth certificate of their child, like, all of that. But it just exploded. And, Mm -hmm. and And to this day, I don't know... Exactly why nearly 6,000 people wanted this specific fountain pen. Yeah, that's the challenge with this one because there was technically nothing wrong with this product, except it wasn't really, like, from pen people's perspective, we knew this was, like, a basic Chinese knockoff pen. It was a resell product, which goes against what Kickstarter is is yeah but what this was which you alluded to was a marketing success fantastic marketing so good but i've never been able to grasp why because uh i can't remember the guy's name that ran it he was clue he was literally clueless about fountain pens um i remember i was texting him at the time and we're trying to set up phone calls and all these things and like he was using India ink to fill his fountain pens and was just it was just a real real train wreck of 
like what a fountain pen user would think about a fountain yep. pen, but where he hit it out of the park was accessing thousands of $8 pens and selling them for $37. And the whole way along, so there's stuff like... The right price. Yeah. He included a converter, right? And was, you know, saying, it's like, this piston filler mechanism. Like, and really, like, <laughs> saying, like, he was using it. And then there was, like, this big post about, like, okay, and now the packaging's amazing. Just a cardboard tube, right? Like, mm-hmm. he would just... He had a very good way of then once you gave him your money, you felt like you were continuing to get something good for it. Now, yeah. we knew it was a joke, right? Right. We right. looked at the pictures of it and could see it was both generic and basic, right? Like it right. was just a ABC fountain pen, right? Yep. It was just like whatever, mm-hmm. as you say. What probably did happen was the guy bought them from China and resold them. So... But I backed it because we were speaking about it so much. One of us had to have it. Uh, yes. And to this day, continues to be a pen that people want to see from me at pen shows. I backed the early bird Chrome version for $37, which I now looking back at it is so expensive for what it is. <laughs> right. And like, if you want to know for sure that this pen is basically a knockoff, right? So they delivered nearly 6,000 pens on time yeah <laughs> right they were on time which it would have been impossible for somebody mm-hmm. to have these pens quote unquote made if they were thinking they were going to raise fifteen thousand dollars and they raised three hundred and twenty four thousand because one of the biggest problems in kickstarter campaigns is having a big success Mm-hmm. Right, I remember the, the fidget cube people spoke about this like oh, really yeah. eloquently, uh, like and they were very good, right? And they they did a really good job of like outlining the fact that a success of their magnitude it brings more problems because you are not ready for the volume that you will be dealing with. You are in completely different territory now. Like, just how do you ship them, <laughs> right? Because yeah. they've got to go somewhere, right? Like, it, it ends up being a huge issue. Um, and again, like, in the keyboard community, when people were doing group buys of their own, right? Which is like, so they'll they'll create a keyboard, they have it as unlimited, it takes off, and then you've got to bring all these products in sh- and, like, package them and ship them. But if you're one or two people, now you've got 3,000 boards to do, mm-hmm. and they've all got to be quality controlled, like, it can be a real issue, right? So unbelievable that they managed to do it on time because you know the comments are full of people that are unhappy (laughs) with the pen uh basically that it stopped working you know (laughs) and so that's interesting to go through those basically this was a cheap pen sold for what i expect was a very good profit for the creator it exploded Mm. due to great marketing and then they disappeared yeah so you'll know uh... the the project is technically deleted Mm mm-hmm on uh, Kickstarter, like oh, sorry, not the project. The the um, BHG design, the creator has deleted their account, uh, and it says that. Uh, but you can yeah. still this is I think this is good of Kickstarter. You can still view the projects even if the creators have left the platform. Yeah, which is good. important for history. Uh, the visionaire will remain a meme forever. It was a perfect storm, right? Yep. Like mostly around the timing, right? I think nowadays if this if this rolled up today it might succeed right if you had a fifteen thousand dollar goal and you were selling this pen for thirty thousand thirty seven dollars um 
it would probably fund, but not at the levels that it did, right? And more people would be aware of what exactly the product is. I, I think it just really hit at this really strange peak. Like, it couldn't happen this, this way any other time in Kickstarter's history or future, I don't think. To put a little bit better taste in our mouth after the mm. Visionaire, Mike, I wanted to just mention two projects that ran almost simultaneously from two companies that are still out there making things today that I can't believe it was this long ago that I backed the Tactile Turn in February 2014, the first Tactile Turn, and the first TI2 Techliner in March 2014. So Will Hodges of Tactile Turn, Mike Bond of TI2 Techliner, they've both been, you know, great friends over the past year since they were making it. But it was cool. It's cool to see these first attempts at making a thing from, you know, people who want to make these things for a living, which both Will and Mike have gone on to do make very successful pen companies or, you know, pen plus in the case of TI2, um, making all kinds of different projects. But I thought it was really neat. So like tactile turn raised 48 grand and TI2 raised 55 grand. They ran almost simultaneously on the platform backed them both still have those pens that I backed from those campaigns still enjoy those pens. And I just thought it was, um, kind of cool to see that, what that time frame yeah. was. And these guys, these people that keep doing it, they are the kind of modern, uh, idea of a modest success on mm-hmm. Kickstarter. Like, because their first, they did their first campaigns and they raised around 50 grand, which, it's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money when you're selling something because in that is all the cost, right? Yep. So, mm-hmm. like, they had 700, 800 people backing their campaigns, right? Which is not a lot of product, ultimately. Um, and then they went on to create their businesses and do additional campaigns. This is the more of the modern uh, way of doing things. This compared to Ajoto, as we mentioned earlier, who did one mm-hmm. and then started their business from it. But I'm, this is not a criticism. This is a oh, very no. valid way of doing business now. Um, is is using Kickstarter as a platform, and you continue to bring new projects to it. It reduces a lot of risk for you. All that kind of stuff does market uh, research, basically. Um, but these guys have continued to go on and have a lot of projects of similar kind of sizes to these. And if you do one of these every year or two, uh, along with your additional products that you sell, that's a business. Yep, it's really great. So it was cool to see that they've uh, kept on and, and have been successful ever since and that we got to back them uh, in the beginning. All right, this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Pen Chalet. They sell authentic, amazing rollerballs, fountain pens, ballpoints, mechanical pencils, and so much more. They have all of their favorite brands like Monteverde, Pelican, Lamy Pilot, Namiki, Sailor, Caveco, so many more, and they're an authorized dealer. They're always adding new products. Every couple of weeks, you're going to find new stuff over at Penchalet, and you're also going to find new discounts too. They're always roving things through, adding new stuff, new brands, new types of product from brands, and then also doing great discounts as well. They also have all of the accessories that you're going to need, whether it's pen, uh, paper, I should say, uh, pen holders, refills, maybe you want some ink or carrying case, doesn't matter what it is, Penchalet have got it for you. They have fast and reliable customer service, and they do free shipping on orders of over $50 in the United States. They sell internationally as well with great shipping rates. 
PenChalet has low prices and high-quality pens, and they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So go to penchalet.com and click the podcast link at the top of the website. Enter the password PENADDICT for this week's special offer, and to get the code you need to save 10% on anything at any time at PenChalet. What is drawing your eye this time, Brad? The first pin in the list is one of those pins that everyone should have. And I don't have it. And every time I see it, I say I'm going to order it. And it's the Monteverde tool pin. Mm-hmm. So this is on sale, a pretty good sale, like less than 20 bucks for this really cool pin. It's just, you know, it looks like one of those pins you should just have around the house because it's got the ruler and, the, you know, just the, the good pin and just kind of, I don't know, it just seems like a thing you should have. So it's a very good price to so check that out. Um, it's got a couple of Conklins, uh, a couple of more Monteverdes, a couple more Benus, which I haven't seen the Benu Supreme on sale for here before on our page. And then as Ron tends to do, he'll sneak something in there. There's a Pelican 805 in there for crazy, like half off pricing. I probably shouldn't say that out loud. I don't want to get in trouble. Um, there's an interesting Montegrappa uh, a little bit further down that I have not seen before that, uh, you know, I'm a fan of how Montegrappa pens are and how they write. And then the Platinum 3776, there's some that are a really, really nice price right now. So you should check all these out. So go ahead over to penchalet.com. Uh, right now, you want to click the podcast link at the top of the website, enter the password penaddict for this week's special offer and to get the code that you need to save 10% on anything at any time at Penn Chalet. That's P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T dot com. Our thanks to Penn Chalet for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, you got another one here that was kind of a, a launch product, if you will, yeah. kind of like the, the last ones that I mentioned. Yeah, I, I wanted to give a, an example of like the Tactile Turn and TI2 Tech Liner, which is the Nexus Minimal Fountain Pen from Namisu. Now, we know Namisu is a brand now, um, I've actually realized, going through this, I've backed three of their pens. Uh, they had a 104,568 raised against the goal of 10,000 with 2,000 backers in July of 2014. Um, I backed the all titanium model of this pen. It was my first titanium pen. Do not like titanium nibs is what I learned. Uh, they perform mm. great, but they mine was really squeaky, and I didn't. It's like a, that. it's an inter- it's a, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. good, good flex on it. It feels nice to use, mm. nice and soft, but it makes a weird. Not noise. for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're another UK-based company. Um, they saw delays in this campaign. I think they've had some de- some sizable delays for all of their campaigns, but that's how it goes. Their shipping completed in August of 2015. It was originally estimated for November of 2014. I don't think that was that bad. But the big thing here for uh, this, the Nexus Minimal is that it put Namisu on the map. And they've gone on, mm-hmm. to, in my opinion, to make many better products than this, even though I did yep. really like this pen. I love the Nexus pen. Um, but like my favorite of theirs is the, is the Nova, which I think is the most controversial, uh, but it was a pen that I really, really enjoyed, was the Namisu Nova. Yeah, the Nova was one that was heavily delayed, but out of their control, it was a nib issue. Yep. So they had... Uh, that was when Bach was having nib uh, troubles producing nibs. Yep. And then when they came out, they had QC um, issues on top of that. But that's kind of, they kind of got that in the past. Their last couple of projects have been really good. Um, I think I've backed whatever their most recent one was. I'm pretty sure I yeah. backed that one. So I'd have to take a look at that. But uh, again, this is like one is like they, they got their start. They keep uh, doing cool things. And uh, I, I love to see it. You love to see it. 
I'd love to see it. When I was going through my list, this one popped up, and I was like, wait a minute. This was a Kickstarter? Do you remember the bullet journal launching on Kickstarter? The actual no. physical notebook bullet no. journal? Me neither. I backed it too, but I, I didn't remember it. it was a Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, what is this? And it sure as heck, this was essentially the 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 Leuch term launch for the bullet journal with that writer uh worked with uh Leuch term at our behest. Like that's we we did that, Mike. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take full credit for that. Um seventy nine thousand four hundred and sixteen dollars October twenty fourteen. The the Leuch term nineteen seventeen bullet journal launched. Both of us backed it. Both of us didn't realize it was a Kickstarter project. Mm. I was uh I was uh, taken aback when I saw this in my list. I remember most of the things I backed. Not that one. But uh it was cool to see. I en- I enjoyed seeing that. But uh the the version two um bullet journal, which I have yet to send you, um was not uh, launched on Kickstarter. The writer just launched that directly, and I think it's still sold out. <laughs> so there you go. Maybe you should have done a Kickstarter. Might have had better numbers in the beginning to to work off of. This is an interesting one, Mike, and I didn't realize you were a backer of it as well. It's the Pencho Penxo two millimeter lead holder. Yep. How could you not back this? product if you're a pen and pencil and stationary fan so what it was was a lead holder but it was a basically a single piece lead holder and if you're not familiar with this you should go look at the link we're going to put in the show notes it it looks awesome right it looks like this is the coolest lead holder i've ever seen it's won all these design awards it's reasonably reasonably priced i think it was like 29 dollars, something like that they raised three hundred and thirty-four thousand dollars in june of 2015 and five thousand seven hundred and sixty-four backers like that's stunning nuts. design so good turned out it didn't work very well well it works fine it's just a little it's hard fiddly. to use yeah because you have to, to kind of pull it apart like you have to yeah. kind of separate it to get the lead to come out. I found mine recently and gave it to her because uh, she was using uh, a lead holder uh, for something else. And I was just like, hey, I have this one. I like it in the sense of it's fine, I find it very beautiful, but it, I don't use it. Do you want it? So I've been seeing yeah. it knocking around on her desk recently. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't think she's using it that much because, again, it is frustrating to use. But I just think it's a very nice object. Yeah, it is. And like... That's like that's okay. I was like, even when I was backing it, I wasn't really a lead holder fan at the time, but I am now. Like, I'm a huge Caran Dash fixed pencil fan, mm-hmm. but that's got a mechanical um, part to it, where this is just a physical splitting of the barrel to extend the lead. And I don't know. It it ended up. You said it right. It was just fidgety, and it's not. Uh, it's not as beautifully functional as it is just straight up beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. It it functioning's a little bit awkward <laughs> on it, but I, I just wanted to bring that up because I forgot how much money they raised on that, which so is just nuts. Because it was a for Kickstarter purposes, it was a low dollar project, right? For twenty nine bucks, um, that's very very high volume for a twenty nine dollar project. It's crazy, and they, I mean, and they executed pretty much perfectly. I think I don't remember any issues with that campaign. Um, so yeah, very, very cool. The next one is the CWNT pen type B. This is 
what happens when you believe in what you're doing. And I have that belief from Sayway and Taylor. No matter what happened with that first campaign, the CWT pin type A, and how, I don't want to say disastrous, because they got all the products out there and people liked them. But just the drama, I would be exhausted <laughs> from that. I was like, I'm never doing this again. But they came out with one of the all-time great designs for me, at least. I'm speaking from my perspective. All-time great pen designs in the pen type B. To this day, I have two of them that sit on my desk. They raised $171,000 November 2015. Yep. And it's just amazing. Um, I didn't, I didn't uh, bring it in here so I could uh, pop it off in the microphone, which I'm prone to do. It's, it's gonna just be, um, awesome. I'm just happy for them. I was very happy for this. It's going to be pretty rare that a company's second Kickstarter would make less money than their first. I don't know about that. You think is you think that, that that's the way it would be? Like that people would. I tend to find just, that like your first one you're establishing yourself, and then the second one you make more money, especially if it's the same kind of product. But yeah, I don't yeah. know. The the prices are different. Like I don't. There's a lot. Like a lot of people were you know maybe turned off from the pin type A situation. I know that that would be the reason, right? So yeah. like in this situation, it'd be like well they had. A, a struggle mm-hmm. the first time mm-hmm. and also you know uh there are similarities between the products maybe people don't feel like they would need both but uh, it, it wasn't so much a it's not a criticism on them mm-hmm. in any way it was just like a thought like i i can't imagine that that is a very uh typical thing yeah i see what you're saying and i think as a creator i think that's how i'd be looking at it too i was like well i should i did x the first time i should do x plus this time yeah. right um and it it didn't um it did what maybe two-thirds of that or so but still it was a big number for these you got to remember these are i guess not mass market products that they make right these are very unique highly specific products that they're making and this one just it came off flawlessly right they from from funding to fulfillment was six months like Mm -hmm. boom you know they i guess they they learned what they needed to learn through the the trials and tribulations i guess it's no um coincidence that the these campaigns were four years apart (laughs) because that first one probably took about probably took them like two years to manage and then recover from um, but yeah, this one, this is the one that really set them down the path as like kind of great makers and creators, right? The first one got them on the radar, good or bad. This pen, um, has carried them, I think to this day to allow them to keep, uh, doing other cool stuff, which, yep. and it's one of my favorites. I love it. Love it to death. The next pen was a mistake by me. Not this campaign, the clip pen by Shown Design. But me not backing Ian Schoen's first campaign. And I've talked about this a lot in the past when I first reviewed uh, Ian's first pocketable ballpoint pen. He launched it on Kickstarter. I hemmed and hawed about backing. And I was like, you know, like I'm trying to be responsible, you know, and like eh, maybe it's not for me. So let's not just back things willy nilly. And I didn't. And then... Ian went on to fulfill it and a lot of people bought it and I got to use it and try it. 
And then I eventually, Ian sent me one and I got to review it and I was like, huh, <laughs> I think I missed out on this one. So I didn't miss out on the second one, which was the same pin as the first one, except Ian added a clip. Um, I'm glad I got in on that one. And Ian's been one of the awesome creators to follow ever since then. Like he's really doing weird and wild stuff now. I love what he's making. He's really uh, flexing his brain muscles these mm. days on the stuff he's creating and I'm I'm glad to to see these successes that he had on Kickstarter back in the day. I actually kind of forgot about this one a little bit. But as soon as I saw it, I remembered I was like, oh, this was his second project. I did not back the first one like I did yeah. on some of these other ones. I wasn't wasn't first on that one. <laughs> I mean but, for uh, me this one Ian's pens really took seeing in person um yeah. to understand. Yeah, exactly. Like once I got it in hand, I was like, oh okay, this is pretty great. And, you know, I didn't really, uh, you know, think that at first on the campaign. I was like, oh, cool. But I think I maybe, maybe I have this already or it's not like super crazy inspiring to me. But once I got it in my hand, like all bets were off. And now I own, I don't know, five or six of his pens. So yeah, it's pretty great. Pretty great. Like this next product, Mike, I'm not saying this to butter these guys up. I'm not saying this because they're, they're my friends. I think this is kind of like a Hall of Fame stationary product. And by that, I mean the Studio Neat Pano book. Yep. I think what it encompasses, what the decisions were to make it, and then the actual product itself, all of those things together could not have come out any better um, for uh, Studio Neat in coming up with this book. It's a notebook right? It's hard to make a good quality notebook product that's different from every other notebook product on the market. Notebooks have a much lower barrier to entry than pens. So you have to be that much better than the other products. And the Studio Neat Pen book was. And the idea of a unique selling point in a notebook, it's that is a difficult thing to achieve today in format. Mm -hmm. But they yep. spotted a gap in the market, which was a notebook that lives between you and your keyboard. Super yeah. simple, but makes a lot of sense. Which, from their perspective, is like that technology buyer that was already their customer, not yep. necessarily our stationary customers like us that listen to the Pen Attic podcast. Yes, there's some crossover, but they weren't looking at it from that perspective. But they took that idea of a good notebook and learned what made a good notebook and you know really worked hard at making a good notebook and then also were able to sell it to people you know who work at a computer um the whole time as uh, an accessory and $187,000 I didn't remember that when I looked up the um the campaign for a notebook product that's astonishing to me and I really think it's just one of the great products that have come out of Kickstarter and um, one of my favorite products Studio Need has ever made. And I think I've, I've, I was looking back, I, I had the simple bracket app in there, Mike, I, have, I was a backer of that. Of course, the glyphs, the Cosmonaut, all the things. I love the panel book. They did such a good job on that. I use it every day. I mean, I will just say for, like, for Studio Need as well, kind of changed them as a business. Mm. the success of this product because now yes they make so many wonderful uh stationary items as well yeah i was going to mention that thank you for saying that like it was um 
it gave them some insight like hey we have something here that was maybe different and then they've obviously gone on to make some other cool things which we're going to talk about here in a minute i want to slide one in here though real quick mike this is kind of the opposite of the studio neat pano book but it's also kind of why kickstarter exists and this is the tutu pen this is an amazing product i absolutely love it i want this to exist I want this to be a thing, and I literally never use it. But I am thrilled with it. The 2-2 pen, if you recall, we covered it a bunch on the podcast. It's this very tiny acrylic, I don't even know what you call it. It's not even a pen barrel. <laughs> it's, it's just like a this... holder of two <laughs> refills. <laughs> but at the same, to be used at the same time, or... You know, you flip it over and can use it. It's an uncapped, uncovered D1 refill holder, dual refill holder. Like, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous in every way, shape, or form. But I want this product to exist. Like, listening to the maker and seeing how the maker thinks about it. Oh, uh, Mario, I think was his name. Um, and it was astonishing to see. And, you know, it raised $9,000, right? March 2019. Like, it's not, like, people obviously didn't, like, latch onto this as a thing. But I liked it. Because he used, like, fountain pen acrylics, right? The the barrel looks like a, what it would be, like, a fancy fountain pen acrylic. Like a Leonardo, if they made <laughs> this weird bookmark-looking pen. And I just love it. I have two of them. I just stare at them. I love them. I'll fidget with them. I never use the darn things, but my gosh, I'm glad they exist. Uh, I wanted to mention, I know we just spoke about Studio Neat, but I wanted to mention mm-hmm. the Mark One Apollo. Mm-hmm. So, because this is one of my favorite kind of like ideas for a campaign. Mm-hmm. So, the original Mark One was a big success, right? Um, and, you know, now there's, they do a bunch of pens, but this is like a special edition version of the Mark One, which is made out of stainless steel and PVD coated. Uh, but what I liked about it is it was the pen's existence was to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. And the campaign was only available for the eight days of the uh, flight plan, the mission. So it launched at the time that the Apollo mission began and ended w- when it ended. So they only did an eight day yeah. campaign and it was beautiful. And I absolutely adore the pen. It's, it's the best Mark One. It is. It's the one I'm using it today. Yeah. This is the pen I chose to use for the Kickstarter episode. Um, it is the best Mark One, agreed. And uh, yeah, it's fantastic. And that's one thing that Kickstarters improved over the years is they became a little bit more flexible in what creators could do. Like you, you I don't think you could have picked a like a start and a stop time a few years ago to be able to tell the right. story around the campaign. So that's a cool thing to see. And, um, yeah, to see it um, raise that much money, it obviously resonated with with people is really cool. It's it's a great pen, uh, like I said, and you said it's my favorite Mark I. One of the projects that I backed but did not succeed out of that list, though I guess there was only like six of them I guess I had. Or, um, there might have been a few more. The, the numbers on Kickstarter were not, depending on which button I clicked, it showed me one number, then... Other page showed me a different number. But anyway, this was one I wanted to exist, Mike, that did not exist. And we talked about it on the show. It's the Vitae Dual Nib Fountain Pen. 
And the idea of this is that the maker was going to use Lamy nibs. And if you think of the tip of the pen, the Lamy nibs were going to be face-to-facing each other. So you would have these two nibs and the actual writing of the nibs would be closer to the center line. You know, you could still only use one at a time, but they would be kind of back-to-back. They would be close to each other. And the interesting thing was not necessarily putting these nibs together, but there was going to be a dual reservoir cartridge kind of thing that you would have to fill, like a split in between it. That was the ink reservoir for these two refills. I wanted this to happen. (laughs) I don't know that it would have been good, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know that it would have been changing anything. And I think obviously it didn't didn't fund. So they were asking... um, 28,000 and it raised like 17,000 and had 153 backers. Like this was one of those way back in the day Kickstarter ideas that you like to see pop up and you're taking a risk. You might just be throwing your money down the drain on this one, but I was in. I wanted to see this exist because of what maybe it could be. And it could have been garbage, but like that's what Kickstarter was for is for someone like me to see a project like this that looks interesting send the creator some money to see if they can make this thing. And this one didn't happen, and I wish it did. This, I saw this category, and this would have been my answer too, because as I was going through my list, I saw it there, and I was like, oh, I wish that that, that had actually come to pass. So, <laughs> right? Very, yeah, very similar. It was, and the the backer, I mean, excuse me, the creator, and pardon me, I don't, I don't have their name pulled up in front of me, like took this dead seriously. Like there was tons of notes, tons of information. Mm-hmm. Like here's how we're we going to do like, this. I don't know if this is going to work, right? Like, and, right. And so it's intriguing in that way. It's Kevin mm-hmm. Sinclair mm-hmm. Uh, was the creator of the project. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was very intrigued to see how he would go about making it work but unfortunately it didn't yep yep so uh that was that was one i would have liked to to see and seen what happened from there that's kind of the list but we'd of course be remiss if we didn't mention some of our own projects we are also kickstarter creators we've made some things i launched with my partner jeff notco on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. October 2013, Mike, we raised $78,000 with over 2,000 backers. This was a crazy, crazy time <laughs> in my life with me and Jeff making all of this by hand. So 2,000 backers, when we did the math, it was somewhere over like 6,000 cases. It's one of those where we definitely, I won't say we got in over our heads, but it's one that like, wow, <laughs> we now have to make a lot of cases. Yeah, you, you have one of those like, oh, okay, we're going to we're gonna do this thing and it's going to start us off, but it kind of got out of hand. And I mean, yeah. looking at it now, it's pretty easy to see why you mm-hmm. had too many options. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's like people who come to me for Kickstarters now, that's my number one tip is limit the amount of, of um, backer levels. Options and configurations. So you yeah. had both production <laughs> and inventory issues to deal with. Yep. So I remember spending weekends, spending the night in uh, Jeff's apartment on his futon. Well, the second bedroom was the sewing shop. We had like three <laughs> machines in there. 
I mean, we'd just be in, covered in like strings and fuzz all day long. And then I'd sleep there on the weekends just, and Jeff would just be hammering away making. I would, you know, when I was, um, QCing the cases and finishing the cases, I just, I'd have like a pile, like as high as my waist of like cases that I'm just working through. It was crazy good times. I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot of work. It was it was crazy. And we definitely done things different <laughs> since then. But uh, that was a wild campaign. I, re- I remember that. It was pretty mind-blowing, pretty eye-opening. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm glad it happened, right? Like all these things happen uh, so you can get to where you are now. And speaking of which, our first Pin Attic podcast project, Mike. Yep. I This was February 2015 for, to bring you to the Atlanta Pin Show and... The first time we would meet in person. Yep. So we raised $13,500 to bring you over to the Atlanta Pen Show. You and I get to meet and then do a live show at the Atlanta Pen Show. I didn't know what would happen when we did this. No, we had no idea, did we? Mm-mm. No, it was just like, well, let's try this. And so we can raise funds for travel, but we will give people a thing, right, for backing us, right? That's We didn't want to do... We weren't just going to take money for for travel without people getting something. So we made a case from Knock, uh, one of which I do not have. It's a beautiful, <laughs> it's a beautiful high tower in Kelly green and yellow with a, a Union Jack tag on there. It's just really, really great. It's the Australian um, case. yeah (laughs) it kind of did turn out that way but i I love that case i haven't seen one in years i would love to see one and that kind of kick-started no pun intended Uh, i really didn't mean that (laughs) it kind of kick-started what we did for the podcast and gave us ideas to to be able to do more right in the future and Mm -hmm. go bigger and add a second show to the calendar and you know bring you over here twice and do and a third second show. yeah yeah <laughs> do cases. all kinds of things so it really opened the doors up for us so i just wanted to say thank you all for that all you podcast listeners and yep. supporters like that's a big deal like a big deal that you would uh, support us in that way so um that was pretty cool so we've done we had a good five-year five run of those on that. <laughs> five <laughs> year run three. we're taking a break we this year because uh, that's yeah. how time works Yes, yes, yes. And um, no Atlanta Pen Show this year. It's officially off. Not that we didn't think that already, but uh, I did get the word this weekend um, that it's officially Leaving going it late, to be canceled. Though. But yeah, a little late, but <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We weren't planning on coming anyway, so it kind of <laughs> worked out. <laughs> kind of worked out this year. No, no traveling anytime soon here. So, <sighs> wow. That's a bunch of Kickstarters, Mike. Mm-hmm. There's one but we there's can't one forget. More. There's one more, Mike. Because if we don't talk about it, we're just people going to ask about it. We're going to just very briefly touch on the Scribble Pen. Yeah. So the Scribble Pen was launched in August of 2014, and this was a pen that included a sensor that could detect any color that you press the pen against and mix ink inside of the pen to let you draw with that color. The product was written about everywhere in a display of the harm that what I would consider predatory (laughs) marketing can do Mm -hmm. uh, because this was an absolute fake. And anybody with even the smallest amount of understanding for pens, technology, or physics could see that this product is not possible to do within the confines that they have created. It was all in the pen. All the technology was in the pen, both the uh, sensor and the mixing of ink somehow that you could then just draw with that color. 
Um, and because people, because they made a video which is full of bad editing and cuts, which you never mm. actually see the pen working the way that they say, every single tech website wrote about it. Look at this amazing pen. And you can go and look at the coverage of the, uh, go look at the campaign and you will see the logos of all the companies that legitimately wrote about this product. And you can mm-hmm. go and you can click on the links that will take you to the websites that wrote articles about it and it was just a fake and it was through people like us and other people in the community raising concerns to kickstarter that kickstarter got in contact with the um scribble pen people after they'd raised three hundred and sixty six thousand dollars <laughs> this is still during the campaign and they mm-hmm. said to them okay we're not canceling you but you need to make a new video and send it to us to show this product in use, they went away. Mm-hmm. They canceled the campaign. It's come back a couple of times. On Indiegogo. As, and Indiegogo. Not on Kickstarter. And nothing has ever come of it. I mean, people have given their money to this company, and it's an absolute scam. <laughs> uh, and we can't really talk about it much more than that. Why can't we talk about it, Mike? Because you've received cease and desist from them in the past. <laughs> like, that's going to prevent me from talking about them. I'm kidding. Um, I know. We're joking. It. Um, so yeah, we'll have a link in the show notes to a cease and desist I got from the air quote lawyers from <laughs> from the scribble pen. Um, it's a great email if you if you want to go read it and you can read my reply to them. Um, I was I was very uh, concise in in my reply. But my favorite thing in this is they're asking you to remove links to content that is defamatory uh, or defamatory. Mm-hmm. Um. Defamatory is not a word, right? No. Okay, cool. Um, I was just his deflammatory is what they're looking for. Uh, <laughs> inflammatory, or uh, now you've got me confused. Never mind. Yes. Well, anyway, uh, and one of the links is to episode one hundred fifty-six of this show. So what I kind of uh-huh. like there is they consider this episode of the Pen Addict one fifty-six to be defamatory, but they never contacted us about it. Right, like right, so, right. they're contacting you and saying, "Don't link to this," but they never contacted <laughs> me and said, "You should change this." I just found that funny. Yeah, it's good. This has been one of the more infuriating projects, honestly. Like, it's yeah, funny it and annoying. it's a joke, yeah. but it makes me mad. It really makes me angry. No, defamatory is a word. I just checked it. Okay, out. all right. So. so it's it's all those things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was I. Like I said, we joke about it, but it generally makes me angry that it won't go away. About every other year, maybe it's not every year, it seems like. About every other year, this will pop up on Indiegogo. We'll start getting links about it. They had a mailing list for a long time where you could just pre-order. Like they were asking people for, to like send them 150 bucks ahead of mm-hmm. time and just weird, weird stuff. No one that... that we know has ever fallen for that but it's it's just a running running joke right now and and not a good one so um i i'm i hate to say it mike we're probably not done with the scribble pen in our lifetime so um yeah we'll see just keep uh keep on sending us those links and um we'll uh we'll keep calling them out so that's it i think that's it i i can't believe the number between us like 200 projects backed in almost 10 years it's crazy it's crazy and uh i love kickstarter there's obviously been ups and downs over the last decade there's been good projects bad projects there's been good kickstarter leadership there's been bad kickstarter leaderships Mm -hmm. um right now 
it's you know it's different than when we started using Kickstarter, where the some of the early joy has been taken away as things get popular. Right, it becomes more businessy. So you know you do your research, be do a little bit more diligence, and you know make sure you're you know not uh, putting money out there that you can't risk losing because people do forget what Kickstarter, what the platform is. Right to this day, people don't totally get how Kickstarter works. So um, we love it. Obviously, it's been a great platform for, for some of our stationary makers in this community, myself included, uh, Spoke yep. Design included, um, you and I included. So yep. um, yeah, it's great. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll do this again, you know, when we each have backed another hundred or well, so episode 900 of the show. We'll come back to I this. I don't know. My pace is slowing down, Mike, on <laughs> yeah, how many. <laughs> I don't think I can back another. Um, let's see. That would be like how many years more podcasts is that? Ten more, nine more years of projects. Could I do another hundred? That'd be tough. We'll see. See what we can do. If you want to find links to these uh, campaigns that we've spoken about, maybe you just want to check them out. They're all on our website. You can go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 450 or should be in uh, your podcast app. Of choice, you should find the notes there too. If you want to find Brad online, you can go to penaddict.com. Uh, you can also check Brad out at knock.co.com. Knock.co. They both mm-hmm. work, right? Both, yes. Both work. And Brad streams live on Twitch at 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Tuesdays and Thursdays at twitch.tv slash penaddict. Uh, you can find me. I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, and I'm going to be streaming again. I tend to stream on Fridays now at 10.30 a.m. Eastern on Friday at mike.live. Uh, I, and uh, Brad, spoiler, I built a new PC. Ooh, nice. And so I am streaming with power this week, which I'm excited awesome. about. Awesome. Come awesome. check out the stream on Friday. I'll get uh, Tyler on that. He's your biggest fan. Oh, God. I love He's a great kid. <laughs> he, he understands. He gets it. He gets, he gets cool. it. He gets it. Uh, thank you so much to Penn Chalet for the support of this show. Thank you for listening, especially if you've listened to all 450 episodes of this show so far. <laughs> You're a very special person. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs>